Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Brandon Cooks, the subject of some trade chatter recently, connecting him to the Cleveland Browns. And this guy has been traded for a first-round pick, a first-round pick, a first-round pick, a second-round pick. I don't know. I may have thrown one extra first-round pick in there. He was acquired with a first-round pick, though, by the Saints in 2013. Two-year extension for Brandon Cooks with the Houston Texans. He went from the Saints to the Patriots to the Rams to the Texans. He's had a very troubling concussion history. I think he's overcome that in recent years, but I remember he had a serious concussion in Super Bowl 52 when he was playing for the Patriots. But, uh, hey, look, they, they need some players there. And as receivers go in Houston, Peter, he's clearly the best one, and he's been the best one ever since they traded away DeAndre Hopkins. What an odd thing. I I... I, I... It isn't that this is a bad signing or anything, but I just keep thinking to myself, a 29-year-old receiver, and you're going to pay him, Mike, am I right in saying that essentially they're paying him $20 million a year each of the next two years, which has really become almost the default payment to a receiver who can walk and chew gum at the same time now in the NFL? <laughs> and I'm, look... I'm not. I, I'm. I'm not passing judgment. I think Brandon Cooks is a very good player, but it's almost like. And now you're seeing it with Debo Samuel, who we'll talk about in a while. But what is so odd about this is that there seems to be no more middle class among receivers. All the receivers in the league are like twenty million dollar players now, and you know at least, and. It's just, and then all the receivers who aren't making $20 million, it, and look, we'll see what Debo Samuel's intent is, but all the receivers who aren't making $20 million are claiming that they're getting robbed, and they either want out or, or whatever, but it's a very curious time right now for receivers in the NFL. 
I've seen the Cooks contract characterized as having a maximum value of nearly $20 million per year. Now, those are loaded words when it comes to the puffery that happens with contracts. Maximum value means he has to hit all incentives. Sometimes it requires the guy to be the Super Bowl MVP and the regular season MVP to get the maximum. And nearly $20 million means not $20 million. But you're right. There's a lot of receivers making a lot of money at a time when there's a lot of great receivers coming into the league every year. So... It's hard to reconcile, hey, we can go get one in the draft, and hey, there's a great one out there, but we're going to have to pay him $28 million a year. But some teams are willing to do that. Other teams would rather roll the dice on a draft pick. The 49ers rolled the dice on Debo Samuel. He's become one of the best receivers in the NFL, all pro last year, over 1,700 yards from scrimmage. They discovered that he has great skills as a running back. He told us at the Super Bowl that he was surprised when all of a sudden he's involved more in the running game. Well, yesterday he was not involved in having the 49ers on his social media. One of the messages that gets sent by folks in that generation stripping away everything. A social media cleanse. No sign of the 49ers at a time when he sees what's going on. He sees what Devontae Adams got paid, what Tyreek Hill got paid. And where's his? And I looked last night. Peter, the 49ers have less than $2 million in cap space. You know how they could clear up a lot of cap space? They could cut Jimmy Garoppolo and clear up more than $25 million. That stubbornness that they are exhibiting with Garoppolo is keeping them from signing Debo Samuel or Nick Bosa or both. But they may have a problem with Debo Samuel. And for him, there's a greater urgency to get paid now because if they're going to use him like a battering ram between the tackles, he's at greater injury risk than the average receiver. You know, I guess I would say two things about that. I don't think it's stubbornness on the part of the 49ers. I think it is protection of an asset that they don't want to give away. And I don't think they should give them away either. I think that they should basically tell Debo Samuel, they should tell Samuel and Bosa that, look, we are going to pay you. We have every intention of paying you. We can't pay you right now. Uh, we will be able to pay you before the start of this season. Give themselves until Labor Day weekend because a lot of things can happen, you know, in the next five months, Mike. Uh, and what I mean by that is a lot of people can have different feelings about their quarterback between now and September 1st. A, quarterback might get hurt. B, you go to training camp, you're the, you're the Carolina Panthers, and you're totally unhappy with Sam Darnold, and you didn't draft a quarterback. Well, then now you're going to have to trade something significant um, you know, for Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I don't know what's going to happen. But to me, why would you give up Jimmy Garoppolo right now when you know that despite the fact he's not a top 10 quarterback, he could have real value before the start of this season? And as far as Samuel goes, hey, look, you know, the way I would look at this, and I totally understand we saw what happened in the last half of last season. Debo Samuel was such a great impact player that I named him first team all pro last year and he made first team all pro last year along with cooper cup and Devonte adams very well deserved but if you look at debo samuel over the last say two years 
He's been out outperformed by both A.J. Brown uh, and D.K. Metcalf and, of course, by Stephon Diggs. Now, Diggs got paid. He's been in the league longer. But, Mike, I just think right now when you look at the landscape of great players in the NFL, of course you want to keep Debo Samuel. Of course you want to pay Debo Samuel. The, the bottom line in this whole thing is, can we be a little bit patient? You know, do, do you have to get paid yesterday? And in my opinion, I think uh, I think he will get paid. But they can't pay him right now, as, as, as you say, unless they dump Jimmy Garoppolo, which I just think is penny-wise and pound-foolish. I think that Debo Samuel is doing the right thing if this is motivated by his desire to get paid now. You want to get paid before you set foot on a field ever again, either in an off-season workout, mandatory minicamp, training camp, preseason, whatever. Because if you get injured, there it goes. And we've seen that happen to guys. And I know that Chris Godwin still got paid. But would he have gotten paid more if he didn't have a torn ACL going into this offseason? I'm still surprised that the Buccaneers gave him a three-year, $60 million contract as he's recovering from a torn ACL. But, you know, for Samuel, it's not just the risk of immediate injury that would knock him out for the balance of a year. It's also the chronic wear and tear if they're going to use him like a running back. Because you develop an accumulation of little things that eventually, by the time he hit 20, 29 30 they take over and you're done so get what you can while you can Debo Samuel and it's for the 49ers to figure out how to work their salary cap even if it means unloading Jimmy Garoppolo sooner rather than later let's go ahead and take a break Dan Campbell head coach of the Detroit Lions shared some insight on what the Lions are looking for with the second overall pick in the 2022 draft which is just 20 days away more PFT live right after this Dan Campbell on Kayvon Thibodeau, one of the top pass rushers in this draft class and holding the second overall pick, said Campbell on Thibodeau, hey, listen, he's an explosive athlete. He's a playmaker. You know, he's got a good, quick first step. I mean, he's something else. He's pretty special on tape. As to the number two pick, they want a guy, according to Campbell, who can come in and day one, he's a starter. That's really what you're trying to acquire. You'd like to think by the time you hit your first game, that player is starting for you and he's going to be able to produce. Yeah, in today's NFL, you can't spend the second overall pick on a project, on a guy that's going to sit on the bench for two or three years. Well, I guess you can. But for the, for the Lions right now, with what they need, they don't need somebody who's not going to play. They need somebody who's going to be ready to go. And they're in a good spot. Now, this year, it's not like there's a small handful of, of potential Hall of Famers. You could maybe get as good of a player farther down, and maybe they would like to trade down if an opportunity arises. But, uh, yeah, go get a player who's going to make a difference for you right away. You just better hope you you pick right when the time comes, Peter. You know, the way I look at this is there's no question that Kayvon Thibodeau is highly regarded by a lot of teams. And he has the kind of skill set that absolutely day one he could step in and be a really good player. Um, But I do think there's something about taking a player who has some scars on his resume, which, honestly, Mike, you have to determine what you think about his level of effort on every play. That's the biggest question about him right now. And... You know, not necessarily, and I went back over the weekend. I think he played 30 college games 
And in 16 of the games, he had no sacks and and uh, uh, whatever. But you have to determine his total effort and whether you think that he's given enough effort to be to justify the second pick in the draft with him. Because I think there's no question that his production in the NFL on day one could be very, very strong. Um, I, I just, that, what I hear, especially from <clears throat> evaluators, from, uh, from the guys who do this for a living um, in the media, like Daniel Jeremiah and those guys, is that, you know, you really have to watch the tape carefully uh, on Kayvon Thibodeau. And, you know, you don't necessarily have to watch the tape on, like, Sauce Gardner, um, you know, the corner from Cincinnati. I mean, it, when you do watch the tape, you see that, you know, this guy is pretty much all effort all the time. So we'll see what impact that has on Kayvon Thibodeau. Well, and the one great unknown that applies every year, every draft clack, every prospect, especially the ones top of the stack, you don't know what they're going to do at the next level until they get there because they've never experienced football with that intensity, with that level of competition, with everything you have to deal with all the time. Some guys rise up. Some guys hit that ceiling. You just don't know until you get there. And I think the warning signs are if you see a guy who isn't playing hard all the time at the college level, it's going to have to require him to muster even more will at the NFL level to bring it all the time because it's harder at the NFL level. But some guys rise to that challenge. You just don't know until they get there. And for some guys like Thibodeau, Peter, if he falls some, that lights a fire that otherwise wouldn't have been ignited. I think of the Michael Thomas effect. Michael Thomas landed in round two, and he was more motivated than ever to go to the NFL and be a great player. I think where a guy gets picked has a huge influence on what kind of effort he's going to give because he may emerge from that process with a gigantic chip on his shoulder. And, you know, that has been the motivating force for a lot of people. Look, Tom Brady made a documentary about it, or or ESPN made a documentary about it with Tom Brady. So I don't think that is a foreign concept, and maybe that will be enough. I mean, look, in the unlikely event that Kayvon Thibodeau lands outside the top 10, I guarantee you, he's already said I'm the best player in this draft, so I guarantee you that Kayvon Thibodeau uh, will be uber motivated uh, if he's the 16th pick in the draft. Which, look, we all think that's unlikely, but you know, you never know because I think, especially this year, this is a very strange year in the draft, and I think this year <clears throat> there are so many people who view that they they're not going to take a risk. They'd rather trade out of the risky area of the draft you know, the top 12 to 15. And they'd rather have more picks, you know, down lower and just guys who don't quite have the resume. But Mike, the most interesting thing that was said to me about this draft by somebody in the league is, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase, is that one team's 15th player will be another team's 60th player. And I think you're going to see that this year you're going to see a lot of gasps when some guys get picked a lot higher than some people thought they should and when some guys get picked a lot lower than people thought they should. 
And with Thibodeau, one theory I have is if he's there at number nine, I could see the Seahawks taking advantage of the opportunity to trade down with someone who really loves him and wants to snag him before he falls out of the top ten because uh, the Seahawks are going to be one of those teams, I think, looking to stockpile picks as they try to rebuild their roster. But we got three more weeks to talk about the draft. One more thing real quickly on the Lions. Dan Campbell said, I don't think we need an elite quarterback to win which I'm sure makes Jared Goff feel really good about his, <laughs> his status in Detroit. But, uh, I, look, I, 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 we've seen teams win the Super Bowl without elite quarterbacks, but in today's NFL, it's getting harder and harder to navigate the full postseason, get to the Super Bowl and win it, unless you have a guy who can make plays with the season on the line. And... Usually that's an elite quarterback who can do that, Peter. Yeah, I mean, Dean Campbell is correct. But I also don't think in today's football that you want to enter a season with a guy who you think is just okay. You want to enter a season thinking that this is a guy who can bring us from 17 points down uh, with 20 minutes left in the game and can really strafe a defense. And so, look, I, in my opinion, I think the Lions are doing exactly the right thing with Jared Goff. Enter this season believing that he's your guy, long-term guy. Don't even consider taking a quarterback. It just muddies the water. And, I mean, unless you want to pick, if for some reason Matt Corral is there you know, late in the second or third or whatever, and you love them, then pick them. But otherwise, just give Jared Goff a legitimate chance. And if if you give him the legitimate chance, and at the end of this year, you can't say that we have faith in him to take us to the promised land, then you start going into the discovery process for quarterbacks in 23. I still got my fingers crossed that Baker Mayfield is somehow going to make his way to Detroit because I just think he's exactly what the Lions should be looking for at the quarterback position to try to personify in the locker room the attitude that Dan Campbell is bringing to that team. But we'll see how that plays out. Check out PFT, by the way, for a story about Campbell discussing a Miami Dolphins player who is unnamed, who, according to Campbell, showed up drunk or hung over every single day and still got the job done, which gives you an idea of what teams will deal with if a guy can bring it when it's time to line up and play. When we return, a recap of some of the biggest stories of the week with our PFT Live Weekend Review. We'll be right back. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Is A.J. Brown on the, on the, on the trade block? As long as I'm the head coach, I, I I love AJ professionally, personally. I've gotten him to to know him well as his coach, and uh, enjoy seeing him as much as I possibly can. So saw him here working out here earlier, said hi. So 
you know, as long as I'm the coach here, I would I would want to have A.J. Brown on my football team. The successor to Mike Malarkey in Tennessee, Mike Vrabel on the Rich Eisen Show, talking about A.J. Brown, the Mississippi receiver, drafted in the same round in 2019 as D.K. Metcalf. Teammates there, now both poised to get big money, and that's really the bottom line. This gets back to what we were talking about with Debo Samuel. When, if you're a team that has a guy who has the window open, who wasn't a first-round pick, so this is it. This is contract year for A.J. Brown. You don't have the fifth-year option you can apply. When do you pay him? And when does A.J. Brown take a stand? And I think we may see some of these guys refuse to get on the practice. You remember the hold-in, not the hold-out, became very popular last year. T.J. Watt did it in Pittsburgh, Peter. Didn't show up at all. He was there. Didn't show up on the practice field or in any preseason games until he got his contract. That may be something we see from others this year. You know, the hold-in really is smart, in my opinion, because, you know, you can't get fined for not being there. And you're doing all of the classroom stuff while you're there. So the only thing you're not doing is the wear and tear on the body, which... You know, for guys like T.J. Watt, I, I'm not sure that anybody would be concerned about his physical condition, you know, when it comes time for game one. In fact, there could be a very good argument made that just lifting, working out on your own and everything in a 17-game season, it's smarter for a guy like that who's such a go-getter to not be uh, working out at full speed in training camp. And look at what T.J. Watt did last year. Single-season sack record. Uh, so he didn't really need training camp of the preseason. A.J. Brown's had some minor injury issues. He missed four games last year, two games the year before that. He only had 869 receiving yards in 2021. He had 1,000-yard seasons, just kind of barely 1051 and 1075 his first two years. It'll be interesting to see where he fits in. You know, we're getting more and more data points as to where these high-end receivers are getting paid, where does A.J. Brown fit? Does he need one more year to really get to the top of the market? And for a guy that's never gotten the big payday, there's something to be said for making him a very, very good, if not great, offer because he may very well take it. And, you know, the other part of this, Mike, is that I think in many cases – general managers are still trying to adjust to the sticker shock of what we have seen this off season. And we talked about a little bit earlier. If you're a wide receiver right now, $20 million is not a great contract anymore. You got to go way North of that to be paid with the best receivers in football, you know, with Deandre Hopkins, with Tyreek Hill, with Devontae Adams. So if you are trying to figure out what, for instance, DK Metcalf is worth or what A.J. Brown is worth or what Debo Samuel is worth, mentally, probably eight months ago, you were thinking that, okay, we got to invest, you know, 18, 20, 21 million a year in this guy. And now mentally, you've got to say, they they would they'd go on strike if you offered them 20 or 21 million a year. So that is why I think this is taking a while. Not only because mentally general managers have to adjust to it. 
They didn't budget for it in tight salary cap times. And you can say whatever you want about how the cap is going to go way up in future years, and almost certainly it will. But you have a lot of people, you, and you've known that, and you've got a lot of people you need to pay. Do you want to pay, for instance, $8 million more than mentally you had thought you were going to have to pay to a very valuable player? Because what that's going to do is that's going to allow you to pay less to other players. Timing is everything in matters of this nature. The longer the team waits, the more expensive it's going to potentially get. The Bills decided to wait no longer with Stephon Diggs. They traded for him two years ago. Had not significantly reworked his contract. There had been some restructuring, but not the big payday. He got the big payday earlier this week. Here he is from yesterday talking about his desire to end his career as a member of the Buffalo Bills. You know, I felt like my next spot was my last spot. I wanted it to be my home, and I didn't want to ever go anywhere. So anticipating that, uh, it was important to me, especially the first year and the second year. You just felt like you kind of like built in that family. And it's hard to do that when you have a job and it's, you know, try to stay professional. But you get those relationships like the one I had with Josh and the, uh, and the other guys on the team. It's just like, all right, damn, it started feeling a lot like home. You don't want to leave it. So um, to be someone engraved for a good period of time, I'm forever appreciated. When I first got traded to Buffalo, besides the mafia and the people who are fans of Buffalo, not too many people thought it was going to work out. A lot of people were like this, well, the Bills, da 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 And uh, two years from now, now, uh, now I, can, I can smile and say, you know, God works in mysterious ways, and I'm, I'm with my family, I'm with the right people, and I got, I got the right support system. It's a six-year contract. We've got the full breakdown at profootballtalk.com. Two years guaranteed. Just under $49 million. Third year, the Bills have an option. There's some injury guarantees, but they have a way out after two years if for some reason it just isn't working. But after two years, it becomes year to year. Will they go three? Will they go four? Will they go five? Will they go six? You know, it's, and we're, we're spoiled now by some of these big guaranteed contracts. With Diggs, it's two years for sure, and then after that, it's year to year. He wants to stay. But, you know, this is one of the realities of the salary cap, Peter. Guys want to stay. Sometimes they don't get to stay because the team says, sorry, you're no longer playing at the level that your salary would indicate. Every contract we've seen this offseason, I talked to Bobby Wagner the other day. You know, he can get out after two years. That's what he told me. And so everybody on both sides, I think, is being kind of cautious with the exception of the Deshaun Watson contract. Everybody has been kind of cautious to say, okay, you know, two years, maybe some guaranteed money in the third year. Von Miller, I think, got some. So th- that's what that's what teams are looking for, and I think that's what players understand is coming. The guaranteed money in the first two years, maybe a little bit in the third year, but understanding that no matter what the numbers say, that this is probably a two-year contract, and then we'll see. Real quickly, we hear talk all the time about this notion that all NFL player contracts should be fully guaranteed. If that was the case, all NFL player contracts would be two years long, maybe three, with some rare exceptions, because the teams wouldn't build in that back end where they've got the flexibility, wouldn't guarantee the back end. They would just say, let's keep it short, and then let's move on. We move on. We'll be back to wrap up this Friday edition of PFT Live right after this. 
Tyron Matthew, free agent since the market opened. He said yesterday he was heartbroken the Chiefs didn't bring him back. The Saints had him in for a visit. He happened to be in the neighborhood, stopped by, checked it out. Probably isn't a need for him there. The Eagles have a need. The Eagles had a virtual visit with him on Thursday. You know, I think part of it, Peter, he got so much money the last time around, and sometimes a guy's valuation of himself is higher than what the market would currently justify. I think Tyron Matthews is great, and I got no problem with him taking his time to see if someone's going to pay him what he's looking for. But, you know, he's got the intangibles that I think a championship-level team would need. And I said this yesterday, the longer he hangs around, don't you just feel like the Rams are going to show up and make a move? I mean, look, I had been told by somebody with the Rams that the reason they signed Bobby Wagner is they had money left over from not signing Von Miller. I just don't know if they could give him a representative contract, Mike. You can do a lot of funny things with the cap these days. You know that. But even the Rams, that might be too much for him. We'll see. Oh, the Rams find a way. F them picks. F that cap. F the week. We're done. Peter, great as always. Safe travels to Columbus. We'll see everybody at 5 p.m. Eastern for PFTPM. Have a great Friday. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.